Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Best DC Comics Podcast, Episode 7, where I'm going to be going through the saga of the Swamp Thing, number 21, The Anatomy Lesson, written by Alan Moore. Before we get into that, though, let me remind you to go over to Twitter at Weird Science DC. Follow us. I promise we'll follow you back. Then go over to our website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com, where you can read reviews of almost all of the books that come out each and every week from DC Comics. And then go over to our Patreon account, Patreon.com slash WeirdScience, where you can help support us for all the shows here on this feed and get plenty of exclusive shows, a ton of exclusive shows in return each level more shows a lot of shows that are very similar in vain to the one you are about to listen to and as a final deal if you are listening to this anywhere that you can subscribe rate and review please do if you could that helps us out as well but as i said we're going to go into this and this is one of the best DC Comics stories by far, and it is the saga of the Swamp Thing number 21, The Anatomy Lesson. Before we get into the issue, though, let's talk a little bit about Swamp Thing and his publication history. Swamp Thing was created by Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson and first appeared in House of Secrets number 92 from July of 1971. But this was the Alex Olson Swamp Thing, the Alec Holland Swamp Thing that we're familiar with. Got his first appearance and origin in November 1972, Swamp Thing number 1, again created by Ween M. Wrightson. And that first series ended up having a 24-issue run before being canceled in 1976. And Swamp Thing went on to make guest appearances in books, Challenges of the Unknown, DC Presents Brave and the Bold, finally getting a new series, The Saga of the Swamp Thing, in 1982 because of the Wes Craven movie of the same name released that summer. In fact, his return was in an annual, annual number one, released on August 26, 1982. That was the official adaptation of the movie. It's not in canon, though. Swamp Thing later will admit that he did see the movie and that he thought it stunk and he hated it. Now, this new series, The Saga of the Swamp Thing, was written mainly by Martin Pascoe, who left the book after the release of issue number 19 due to poor sales. And DC had, you know, they had a decision. Should we cancel the book? What should we do? And they ended up deciding, let's just give it to this young writer, Alan Moore, because as it was heading for cancellation due to low sales, DC editorial agreed to give Alan Moore, at the time a relatively unknown writer, whose previous work included several stories for 2000 AD, Warrior, and Marvel UK free reign to revamp the title and the character as he saw fit. Pretty much, hey, if you mess it up, we're canceling it anyway, so you get to do whatever you want with it. And that little bit of, you know, timing, it really does play out and is really one of those cool things that end up happening where, yeah, he ended up making Swamp Thing a tiny bit better. He reconfigured Swamp Thing's origin to make him a true monster. He wanted to get back to the idea that this should be a horror comic, as opposed to a human transformed into a monster. And we'll talk about that as we go in the idea of what that does mean for the book, that Alec Holland is not a human transformed into a monster anymore. He is just a monster that 
really isn't Alec Holland. So with all of that beforehand in that first Swamp Thing series, it gets goofy. They end up trying to figure out what they can do with Swamp Thing. And as things went on and on, they kind of did get further and further away from what Swamp Thing is, a monster. So with that, in his first issue, number 20, Alan Moore swept aside the supporting cast Pasco had introduced in his year and a half run as a writer. I'm sure he was not so pleased with that, but hey, the sales were bad. And brought the Sunderland Corporation, a villainous group, out to gain the secrets of Alec Holland's research to the forefront as they hunted down Swamp Thing. And in that issue, number 20, quote unquote, killed him in a hail of bullets. And that first issue, if you read that issue, number 20, you end up having so many crazy things happen. They all make sense. And it's it's well done. But boy, they end up that the swamp is on fire. Houses are being blown up. The army's brought in. Everybody's getting shot at and killed, including Swamp Thing, who, as I just said, is riddled with bullets and pretty much grabbed by the Sunderland Corporation, thinking that he is dead. And that's where we go off to the issue that we're going to be talking about, the saga of the Swamp Thing number 21. The Saga of the Swamp Thing, number 21, has a cover date of February 1984. The story called The Anatomy Lesson, and it's written by Alan Moore, pencils by Steve Bissett, inks by John Totalbin, colors by Tatiana Wood, letters by John Costanza. And start out with the cover, pure horror comic cover, and it's kind of a cool thing going into this. The last issue, the last thing we saw was Swamp Thing being shot to death. So, oh my God, look at this cover. Is this just one of those covers that's, oh, it's just a hard cover throughout there? Or is this something that's going to happen with the Swamp Thing attacking General Sunderland right there on the cover? When we go into the issue, we pretty much are told right away that, yeah, Swamp Thing's coming back. And General Sunderland is in a lot of trouble. The narration is being told by Jason Woodrow as we get on with this. People at that point may not have remembered that Jason Woodrow is the Floronic Man. Kind of a little bit of an obscure character, hasn't popped up a lot, and that's something that Alan Moore really loves to do. And you start off, and I ended up talking to some people on Twitter about this when I said, hey, I'm, I'm reading the anatomy lesson. I'm going to be doing Saga the Swamp Thing number 21 for the best comics podcast. And a lot of people, oh, man, that's awesome. I, you can't find many people who are going to say anything bad about it, except the idea that a lot of people don't like the coloring of this issue. They think that it's drab. They think that it's a dull color palette. And Alan Moore, going through this, as we'll see, he plans everything. Him and Bassett doing this, Everything's planned, and in my mind, the idea that it is a cold color palette, it is a lot of blacks and grays and light blues, things like that. It's one of those things because Alec Collin is going to be reborn, but at this point, he is in the city. He's in Washington, D.C. He's in cryogenic stasis. He isn't able to be the swamp thing at this point. And I like that idea that it's such a juxtaposition of what you expect from a Swamp Thing book because this is going to be a very technical and clinical story until 
you get to the real horror part. And I think that that is played out so well as you go through this and get to General Sunderland and his big tower, his technological marvel of his security systems and his machinery. He's really into that. And that's the coldness versus, in my mind, the organics of the Swamp Thing, because the Swamp Thing at this point is, quote unquote, dead. Now, when you start this off, some of the things go with reading it over and over, reading it a couple times, because we will find out, first off, we'll find out that Jason Woodrow is indeed the Floronic Man. We'll also find out that he was in jail, that General Sunderland ended up getting him out of jail. And I think that it's really cool the way that it plays off at first, because the narration is through Jason Woodrow as he's drinking some wine and looking out into you know out of his hotel room it's raining we'll get to that in a second but as he looks out the window the window looks like a a prison the window makes it look like a cage and there he is then when you go with the other side of the panel because he's talking about the rain coming down he introduces himself my name is jason woodrow dr jason woodrow i'm here in my apartment i'm watching the rain and i'm thinking about the old man it's general sunderland at this point he says Yeah, I think he'll be pounding on the glass right now, or maybe not. I don't know, but there should be a lot of blood, a lot of blood. And you see, and that sets up that General Sunderland is going to get murdered by the end of this issue. Who's going to do it? You don't know, but you you get the idea it's going to be Swamp Thing. But Swamp Thing wouldn't murder him. Swamp Thing's dead, so what's going on? But even then, as you have general sunderland pounding on the glass as woodrow's saying this now this is in his mind imagining but still the paneling makes it again look like he's in a prison he's in a cage and this is almost the idea of the cage of his own doing the the technological cage that he has made and when you do see the blood where jason woodrow oh there will be blood a lot of blood it is really a stark contrast the red to the other drab colors on that and then at the bottom of the page you end up having the credits in the anatomy lesson that is pretty much straight up lifted from Otto Preminger's 1959 film anatomy of a murder and I mean it's right in your face there the other thing that's a little more subtle though is the rain going on they're in Washington DC in the rain and as you have the middle part of that first page where you have Jason Woodrow looking out and you're seeing him from outside. You're looking into the window at him and the rain streaking on the window, stuff like that. That is very reminiscent to, again, the movie posters of Anatomy of a a Murder. They had a bunch of posters at the time in 1959 when the movie came out of people looking out a window as it's raining down. So there's more to it than just that right in your face you know, deal at the bottom of the person that's segmented off things that most people will know. Also with that, the issue of the title, the whole thing of the anatomy lesson does harken back to a Rembrandt painting from 1632 called The Anatomy Lesson of Dr. Nicholas Tulp. So we're talking fancy stuff here. And usually when I end up, and I'm not a horror comic fan, but I'm also not a dark universe fan because I think nowadays a lot of people are You know, not that he's dead, but chasing the ghost of Alan Moore, trying to get that Alan Moore deal. And what I think they miss out on, yeah, there's the flowery dialogue. There's the fancy stuff that you're referencing. But when you get to the whole deal, you don't need to know that stuff to enjoy this. 
Alan Moore isn't giving you the anatomy lesson there as a credit deal, hearkening back to anatomy of a murder because that is essential to enjoying the issue. That almost probably is something that him and Bissett are like, hey, let, let's throw that joke in. You know, let, let's throw it. it. It is fancy, but it's not fancy to the point where that is needed. Another thing, though, in this first page, you're going to almost have a bookends of this whole issue with rain. And water plays a huge part of this issue. There's a lot of water going on. At one point, Jason Woodrow takes a shower. You end up seeing, you know, the Floronic Man as the water rubs off that fake skin that he has. You also have a thawing out of the swamping where water's got and water the idea that everybody knows you water plants. If you don't water a plant, it dies. It's that you know, life-giving property. The water is big in this. The first issue, that last issue that Alan Moore jumps on, takes over. That issue was all about explosions and fire and death. Again, to something organic like that, fire is, is the end. That is death. That is something you'd be, it's horrific. They end up burning down the swamp. To come into this and start out with that real emphasis on water, is really, really cool. And now I have talked all this time. I still haven't gotten off the credits page. And again, this stuff isn't important to understanding or loving all of this. It's just when you find out stuff or you see stuff yourself, it ends up just elevating it. And I think that every time you read this, this is one of those comics that it's close, if not perfect, because of the idea that every time you read it, it doesn't feel dated at the point it feels like you're you're finding out new things it's even better and things like that well we go off then we kind of start the main story with woodrow thinking back at it very horror-esque eyes over the city of jason woodrow thinking back at what had happened where he was hired by sunderland by general sunderland to come in and check out the Swamp Thing, the Swamp Thing's body. The Sunderland Corporation ended up getting the body. And you see when we do end up seeing a cool page with the Swamp Thing, you see the bullet holes, things like that. But with that, you end up having a real emphasis on General Sutherland about this technological wonder he's made, this building. They go in. It's huge. It's a huge tower. Nobody's there but them, it seems. And Woodrow says it feels empty. I mean, it's vast. It's huge. But it feels empty. Where are all the people I expected security stuff like that and you end up having Sunderland go oh no no I, I don't need that it's all electronic uh, you know I have silicone sentries digital dogs I don't need a lot of people here I control everything right here from this checkerboard squared console and ends up putting his hand on it boop 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 and opens up a door where they go in and this is where they have the body of the swamp thing in cryogenic stasis and they end up giving a timeline he's been there about two weeks so we see in that i think that you're putting out the idea he is not going to just be able to jump out of this frozen chamber he's been there two weeks nothing has changed he is dead and you end up having woodrow looking and he says there gray brittle tattooed by frost quite dead this was the first glimpse of the Swamp Thing. Again, I like that play of that color palette, that really drab, cold color palette. It works in because at this point, the lead character of the book is frozen. He is there in this chamber. And now we're going to get a little bit of the background of why you ended up having Sunderland call in 
would you? This isn't the idea of I want to get the powers of the swamp thing. Oh, I want to get him and I'm going to make an army. It's not. You end up having Sunderland. He's all about money. He wants the formula. He wants the bio-arrestorative formula that made the swamp thing. He can make a lot of money on this. And yeah, he can probably even sell it to the highest bidder to do things because the idea is this formula is what made Alec Collin turn in the swamp thing. When you have the explosion, the formula goes and Alec Collin jumps in the swamp, comes out the swamp thing. Now, there's somebody else involved, and it reminds me of the Curies when they're doing their radiation experiments. He was doing the experiments with his wife, Linda, Linda Holland. So they figure, okay, before they got Swamp Thing, because that's tough. That, that's a tough deal trying to get Swamp Thing. So what they did was dig up the body of Linda Holland, thinking she had to have been exposed to the formula. All those experiments, let's see. Let's see if we can figure that out. And they do. They exhume the body and they check. And in fact, that formula is in her cellular structure. But then why is she dead? Why didn't she come back as Swamp Thing? Why isn't she a Swamp Thing? She didn't change. And so the idea is the formula can't change anything with a human. So how is the Swamp Thing Swamp Thing? How did Alec Holland become the Swamp Thing? That does not make any sense. So they're figuring out, well, we're going to have to get Swamp Thing. That's the only way we can check this out. And they do. They end up going, obviously, as we've been talking, they end up going in the army, shooting them, and they get them and put them in stasis. So now we're going to be introduced now to fully who Jason Woodrow is. And that is when you have Sunderland mention. And like I said, Alan Moore doesn't just come out and say, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. But by the end of the issue, through dialogue mainly and through, you know, a narration, but a narration that's done not by an omnipotent deal. It's done by Woodrow. You figure out everything. Everything falls into place where Sunderland says, okay, I got you out of jail. And that's what we need you. We need you to check out the swamp thing and tell us how he became that. How did Alec Holland, how did this formula make him into the swamp thing? And by the way, can I see your credentials? And you end up, all right, you end up, Woodrow sprays his hand with the spray can. And yeah, you see that he is the Floronic Man, as Sunderland says, all right, I'm satisfied. Woodrow shows his hand. And even that, it plays off as a stark contrast to that grays and blacks and, and light blues where his hand now is just pure out green and yellow. It's like neon. And he says, are you satisfied? And Sunderland says, perfectly, you're Woodrow, you're the Floronic man, when can you start? And then through his narration says, I start it the next day. And and right away, even at the beginning, but as we go on, you know, right, you know where he stands with Sunderland. He hates him. He can't stand him. And again, though, it's done in a way like even this narration panel, as he says, I started the next day. The old reptile knew I'd start the next day. He knew I'd do any damn thing he pleased if it kept me out of prison. So you're wondering the idea of, okay, how does this work? You don't want to solve everything about the Swamp Thing right away because then you're back in prison. He knows that he's being used. He knows that Sunderland has no care for him. He just wants him because he is, you know, smart. He is the guy who would be in the know of this. Sunderland hires the most important things, the, the best of the best. But when he's done, they're just tools. Just like, again, how he says that his building, where he has that touch, he controls everything. And in 
Sunderland's world, he does control everything. He tries to keep the variables out. But yeah, you end up where you have Woodrow start the whole, you know, he's doing the autopsy. He ends up cutting into the, he was excited. He's cutting in. He ends up saying, since the biochemical fluke that had transformed me, I had longed for a chance to examine another human-vegetable hybrid. I could learn so much. And saying, again, being a bit of a selfish deal for him, I could learn about myself as well. Maybe I'd be able to do this. He had heard of the legend of this crazy swamp thing monster, and he was going to be able to just dig in and see what made this thing what it is. And he ends up going, and right away through the narration, you see that he's confused. He ends up opening up the chest, and he says, and I like the way there are two large pod-like structures within the chest cavity. Now, if you're thinking of that, okay, those must be lungs. I mean, you're getting a little fancy there, Woodrow, but he says, what are they? His lungs are something. They kind of look like lungs, but they're not. He says that human lungs have tiny capillary tissues and tubes that let oxygen pass through into the blood. That's what lungs are for. These don't have that. These are vegetable fiber. This is just vegetable. This is nothing that ever had oxygen going through it the way that it's supposed to. These are not lungs. They're not real. And he's like, huh, this is odd. Let's figure this out. And he's talking about this. And he, as he's doing this, as he's studying it, you're also having him telling this to Sunderland because nothing matches up. He ends up going, okay, there's a heart, but it's not a heart. This this was never a heart. This is something that could not ever pump blood. There's no blood here. So, okay, let's see. The, okay, these look like they're supposed to be. All of this is that idea that this is a plant that's mimicking a human body. It's not really a human body, but it's mimicking everything that should be there, but it's not a functioning system. He ends up even going and looking at the brain. There's the hole from it being shot, but this isn't a brain. There's no synapses. There's no it's just vegetable it's nothing so he starts thinking even that that bullet couldn't have killed him because there was nothing to kill here there was no anything involved here of a brain so i don't understand now when all this is going on you have a constant thing going where general sunderland has to keep reminding Jason Woodrow that he's below him You might be smart but I'm in Control here and it's with that Kind of you know control freak Concept of even having The security be something that he Does on on one panel it's All through me this whole thing Is being done by me and by the Way I hired you and If I want you're back in jail this Is all you got plus you're a freak There are so many insults just Because the Sunderland he has to Be the big cheese and remind everybody that he is. And you end up having Jason think, okay, I I took it. I stood there and took it because he wanted to keep trying to figure out this whole swamp thing deal. And we see as this is going on and he's talking, he ends up, he's getting in the shower at his apartment and you end up seeing that water again, because this is really the rebirth of Swamp Thing, when we end up finding out and, and Jason figures out what this is, and he says in a very arrogant intellectualism-type way, it was more than any human mind could ever be expected to unravel this mystery. How is this Swamp Thing living, and how is it Alec Holland? 
And then he says, I had the answer within six weeks. And the answer came to him as kind of an accident. He ended up with some papers, journals, things like that, ends up seeing a study on planarium worms, but realizes that's it. It's the planarium worm deal. This is the thing. And we get a description of it. And a lot of times something like this would end up being a a deal that's like, oh, this is just being thrown at us. You know, it feels like a lecture. It's not because it's through Woodrow here where he runs into Telson. He's so excited. I figured it out. This is a a puzzle that nobody would be able to. I, I figured it out. It's planarium worms. And we find out. What this all means is that they had done a study, and this is true, that planarium worms being taught a maze, they're taught to go through a maze and get out. If you end up taking that worm that figures out the maze and then kill it, cut it up, and feed it to other worms that don't know the maze, they'll then know the maze. They end up learning the maze through eating that worm that already knew it. This is a crazy study. It's true. and. You end up having what you're talking about. This is like it was so simple. It was right there. But, you know, I I figured it out and goes along. That's why cannibals eat the wise man, because they want to get the knowledge, things like that. As that's going on, you just have Sunderland. He's smoking and he's he's pissed. He's getting angry. And he says, I'm becoming very angry. You talk about worms. You talk about cannibals. None of this has anything to do with Alec Holland or Swamp Thing. You know, that's it. And he ends up saying, connect this. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Again, he's not a scientist. He's just a rich guy who wants to get richer. And that's where Woodrow does tell him, okay, this is what happened. We already saw that Alex's wife, Linda, she had some of the formula in her system. But when you had that big explosion and all the formula being dumped on Alec as he runs and jumps into the swamp, he has a lot of that. So you have the formula. He ends up sinking down. He starts to decay. He starts to rot. With that, the organisms in the swamp, they're they're eating his body. They're they're there and taking. So with the combination of them eating and going through that whole decay process with Alec, with the formula in there as well, that mixture, that soup, ends up like the planarium worms that a giant swamp thing grows with the memories, experiences of Alec Holland. In fact, because of that, this big giant vegetable monster thinks that it is Alec Holland. If you have the memories, if you have all the thoughts and experiences, you're going to think it you're him. And that's it. This is the big point where you see that Alec Holland never did live. Alec Holland is dead. This thing that grew out is just like a planarium worm knowing the maze. It is a vegetative monster that has the memories of Alec Holland. And we'll get into the idea. This is huge. That's not the end of the issue. A lot of times this would be the cliffhanger. Oh, no, it's not Alec Holland. It's a monster. Ooh, uh, no, this is where you see that Woodrow is so impressed with himself. There it is. That's it. Oh, my God. It's crazy, isn't it? And someone's like, you're fired. I, I don't need this crap. You keep your notes here. Uh, I, I don't want you to have you get out of here. You're going back to jail. I hate your guts. Get out and does fire him, kicks him out as he then ends up really digging into him. Oh, you think you're so smart, right? 
You're what is your intelligence doing now? You're in jail. You're a freak. Look at me. You look down on me because I'm not as smart as you, but I have billions of dollars. I'm able to, at the snap of a finger, get you in and out of jail. I control things. I'm the one. I am better than you. Your intellectual nonsense can get out the door and you're going back to jail. And then in a weird way, it's almost, you know, the idea that he should. Now, he has nobody to escort Woodrow out. We already see that there's nobody there. The security's taken there. So he just leaves. He ends up walking out and leaving Woodrow there. Now, Woodrow, who says, okay, you know, I was paying attention. I saw what was going on while we were doing I know how to work the security system. And you see him. He's tapping at the computer. He's going with the thing, setting up what is defrosting the swamp thing. Because he says, yeah, they ended up thinking that they killed Swamp Thing. He's not dead. But when they put him in stasis, when they froze him, that made it so he didn't come back. But I'll press this beep, boop. That's going to start defrosting it. Also, these notes that I'm not allowed to have, eh, I know that Sunderland will probably start reading them, but let's put them out where they can be found, things like that. And then as this is going on and the tension's building, this is Woodrow sitting there in that apartment thinking of what is going down, how he set this up. And you see, he, he did set this up where there's something, defrost. He says that Sunderland won't be able to not go down and check on Swamping. He won't be able to go down and see and look after all that talk of, oh, let's see what's here. So he does go down. Now, in the side deal, you also kind of get that where when Woodrow was going through the computer, he also probably disabled some of the alarms that would have gone off when that cryogenic freezing chamber would hit a different temperature where you'd have defrost. So all this is set up for Sunderland to go down, pull out the, the deal, and Swamp Thing is alive, green, and really pops on this. That's, again... The idea of that drab color palette to them, boom, there's Swamp Thing. He's back. He comes out, and he has already been out. And you end up having Sunderland run away. Oh, my God, I'm running away. He's in a prison of his own, making all that technological stuff is not going to help him here. He's running because even Woodrow, the stuff that would have been going on, has been disabled. Things have been, you know, messed with by Woodrow. So he's running as Woodrow's thinking of this laughing. And the big thing then is... It'd be fine. You even have Woodrow, as you see it, go and say to himself, the Swamp Thing has never intentionally killed somebody. This is not something that would murder anybody unless he read my notes. Because if if the Swamp Thing reads the notes, he now realizes that all that time that he spent, his only thing that kept him going was trying to get back his humanity, trying to get back to being Alec Holland. He reads those notes. He's now going to find out he never was Alec Holland, and he's going to go berserk. And you see him looking through the notes. As Sunderland comes into his office, you do have Swamp Thing paging through the notes. And Sunderland kind of stops and, hey, uh, can you understand me? Again, almost trying to get into that mode of I'm better than you. Hey, hey, are you still intelligent? Can you understand what I'm saying? And then looks and, oh, you're looking at that file. Oh, the file on you. Uh, Look, I don't know if you've read that file, but. And then you have the Swamp Thing finally talk and says, yes, I have read the file. And and, and then Sunderland, I don't know what he's playing here. It's almost like, you know, hey, let's get buddy, buddy. Hey, what do you think? You like it? 
And Swamp Thing looks at him Horrific panel with just his eyes Red around where you then have the And goes nuts And smashes Sunderland's desk And then just chases him As Sunderland starts running again Where Swamp Thing is ripping through glass walls Just going after him And then Woodrow continuing this narration Says this is the place where Sunderland thought he was safe This building that he concocted The security he could do But it's not the case now It's not now He's like a little beetle in a box Running around And to tie it in Like a worm in a maze But in my mind The idea that this isn't a Evolved intelligent worm This is a worm that is about to be squashed And ends up being squashed As he runs through a door And tries to hit the security panel To open the outside door to get out and it says identification unconfirmed no exit that's what Woodrow set up as the finale deal you're not getting out this is your prison you're going to send me to prison or back to prison I'm going to have you in your own little prison here of your making and there is a monster that is going to kill you and you end up having Woodrow say when the door doesn't open He'll pound a hammer we'll go back to that beginning Where he talked about they'll be pounding on glass They'll be this and you see As Swamp Thing gets closer And closer behind and it's Obscure then becomes oh my god And again we're looking through The door seemingly with the rain coming down It's still raining that whole deal with water And then he says the old reptile oh, There'll be blood I don't know I don't know if there will be blood It, it, it isn't important he says because it's not the blood that matters, it's just the dying as you end up seeing the Swamp Thing's hand go around Sunderland and then pick him up in the air. Sunderland's feet are, you know, a foot above the air then, and then Swamp Thing ends up just killing him, throwing him down, and crashing out through the front of the building, ends up just walking out into the rain. And then you end up going back to Woodrow now thinking about, okay, you know, it's getting dark. It's late. I'm going to get to bed because I have a lot to do tomorrow. You know, no matter. For the moment, I'm content simply to think and to play and to listen as, again, it's very similar to that first page as he's looking through what would be that prison cage looking window, looking out the, the rain coming down and then says that it's raining in Washington tonight. And I'm going to go and I'm going to figure out he's going to go and, and figure out what's going on with Swamp Thing. Because, again, it's going to go back to the idea of him trying to figure out what he can do for himself, the parliament, all that stuff. But this ends with that. Boom. Alec, everything you know about Swamp Thing is done. He's not Alec Collins. He can never be Alec Collins. The humanity that he's desperately trying to get back can never happen. And that is a genius play here for Alan Moore to get this book going again and that's more of a horror we said at the beginning it's not a man who turned into a monster this is just a monster that thought it was a man and here's the thing throughout all of this now there's not a ton of issues before this of swamp thing but enough where every issue boils down to alec collin trying to get his humanity back now you're setting up a book that you will never be able to get there how long can that last because if alec collin Gets his humanity back and becomes Alec Collin, not Swamp Thing. The book's over. You can't have that work. It's it is a unattainable goal that keeps being the focus of the book. That is not a, a great thing. So this ends up resetting everything and that. But 
ends up opening the stories and not in a way of, okay, now it, now he's mad. Now he's revenge, all this going on. But at the end, he can't become Alec Collin, and, but he could be sad about it. He still has his memories. I mean, remember all of that. That makes it more of a monster, more of a prison, all that in that body. And I think, and a lot of other people think that it's awesome. It's such a clever way to do this. And in an issue where Swamp Thing is barely, quote unquote, alive in it and ends up killing a guy and then ends up going. Now, with that, you end up in a weird deal. General Sunderland does die in this, but he does make a return appearance in hell in Swamp Thing 72. So in this run, you do end up seeing that, okay, yeah, he, he went to hell for what he ended up doing and all the bad stuff, how he got to be so rich, all that stuff going on. But boy, anyway, this this is a really, really good. It just gets better every time you read it. The pacing is incredible. I said there's a lot of fancy stuff here, but you don't need to know that fancy stuff. All in all, it's great dialogue. Tension builds, 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 and it's a horror comic, but also not just jump scare horror. This is a intellectual type deal. It is a thriller, and I I loved it. I loved it. And again, you bring back Floronic Man, who is a big Swamp Thing villain, but is he a villain in this issue? He's a very, very sympathetic character as he's trying to figure this out. Sunderland is the, the bad guy. He's just awful. And then Swamp Thing at the end comes off as you know, the the monster villain who goes off into the night, the raining night, where you could even go after this and think, well, Floronic Man's flipping the script here. Maybe they're going to need him to go and get Swamp Thing because now he's the It's so good. It's so great. And I love the progression of even the colors, the art, everything is just, you know, downright great. So I hope that everybody gives this a read if you haven't read it. If it's one of those things you heard about, and you're like, eh, I don't really like the horror stuff. I don't really like Swamp Thing. Don't, don't let that stop you. Go and read this because I'm not the biggest fan of that dark universe and these sorts of characters. But Alan Moore, he is known as one of the greats for a reason because he is. So, yeah, check this out. And with that, that's the end of the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed me getting all excited going through this. And one of the reasons why I said in the first episode of this little series deal, I, I wanted to go back and remind myself how great comics are when you do have ups and downs. I mean, you can't just have everything hit as, you know, perfect comics each and every week, but doing a podcast, me and Eric do on the feed every Sunday night, where it's a crapshoot of what we're going to get. You end up doing each book. For the most part, we're not just going to say, hey, we'll do this good one and we'll leave this bad one out. Eventually, if, if it's really getting to us, we will then say hey we're gonna drop that but it ends up where when me and eric and it's just our opinion everybody has their own opinion but if me and him aren't liking the books it ends up feeling like we hate everything and people start to you know say that to us and say stuff like that and it's not the case and this is why you know i want to do these things not just to to point them out and have everybody read but to remind myself too of geez i i love comics and the things that comics can do in that you know, limited space, how when it's done right, it's also a cool visual medium as well as just telling stories, things like that. So, yeah, check it out. It's obviously in the DC Infinite app if you have that, but it's easy to find it. I ended up having one of those vertical essential number one deal where they reprinted it. That's where I reread it. Also, 
in the Infinite app. I was jumping back and forth with that. So with that, thanks, everybody. Again, go to our Twitter at Weird Science DC. Also, go to our website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com. Go to our Patreon to support us for all of this and get a lot of shows in return, exclusive shows to the Patreon. Go there, Patreon.com slash WeirdScience. And please, if you like this, subscribe, rate, and review all that stuff. Most of that will be in the show notes links. You can press and do all of that stuff, just like Sunderland did with his little pad there, right? Pretty ahead of his time, too, that Sunderland. Now he's in hell. He's rotting in hell. So maybe that, maybe that's the moral of the story. We all have to get off of Twitter and Reddit. There you go. Thank you, Sunderland. You ended up teaching me. But thanks, everybody. And I will talk to you later. 